The Bears on tap crew here yet again for another sad sacked loss. Yet again, jumping in here. We got the full barn tonight, friends. We have Mr. Ronald Loose and the Buckus, the stat man, Mr. Q, joining us to recap this 41-10 loss at the hands of the KC Chiefs, my friends. Bad. Just overall bad all around. And there's just not a lot of good things going on at Hallis Hall. It was a rough week. But first, before we get into this, Let's give both our panelists a little bit of time on the mic. Mr. Ronald Luce, welcome back to Da Bears on Tap. It's good to be back with you, boys. Um, only because I like talking to the two of you, because let's be frank, I think we all absolutely despise this football team right now. Um, at least that's how I personally feel about it. But, um, but gentlemen, it's always a pleasure to be on the microphone with you guys. It's good to see you guys again. And uh, let's, let's get into the, the chaos that is Chicago Bears football. Q, my man, how you doing, brother? It's been a rough few days, man. <laughs> it has been rough. Like, you know, I I don't drink that much anymore at my age. And I went out Saturday night, so I wasn't feeling my best Sunday. And I had to wait around all morning, all the way till 4 p.m. Eastern time for this game to even start. And it was just like an hour into the game. I was like, game's over. What am I even watching? I'm out of here. So it's it's hard. It's hard to be a Bears fan right now. And we are, and we're here, but it's just hard. Yeah, we're uh, we're doing the Lord's work, as some would say here at Bears on Tap. Um, just kind of talking Bears in just a little bit. The Bears lose a franchise record 13 in a row. Um, they haven't won a game. We were talking about this off offline. Since Bryce Harper sent the Phillies to the World Series. Yeah, that was uh, almost a year ago. About a month from now, be a year ago. And that's embarrassing, pun intended, totally. And it's just, it was a horrible week at Alice Hall. Um, in between the, the situation with Alan Williams, you had, you know, Justin Fields' comments as well during that time. And then it gets to Sunday, and the man, Travis Kelsey, brings his girlfriend. And it's the homecoming game, and he can sit the whole second half and just look at her. And, and I swear, man, the most troubling part of this to me was that was one of Fox's highest-rated regular season games of all time and definitely one of the most watched by women between the ages of 14 and 39. So if you're a single Bears fan and you're hitting the bar and you're, you're wearing your Bears cap out, Good luck bringing a Swifty home. I'll tell you that because they definitely know we stink. They definitely know we stink. That was maybe one of the first games that the Bears that that, that girl ever watched, and she already knows that the Bears are a poverty franchise. And I think that starts at, at our first topic here. Why should we even care? Anymore? I think we've gotten to the point where there's things going on in this franchise that they keep losing credibility, and the question becomes, and I. One that we could, who's running this clown show? Who's driving this car? And whoever is, I want to kick him out immediately. Yeah, I mean, it's is it George? Is it Kevin Warren? Is it Ryan Poles? Like, the, those are the, 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 the so here's the three scenarios I see 
that are possible. Kevin Warren was brought in to be the man in charge, and he has full autonomy over everything, football, everything, facility. It is all him. Option two is Kevin Warren was brought in to more or less build the stadium and get get all of that situated and handled. And George is really still who Ryan Poles answers to. And option number three is Ryan Poles is in charge of all football. Kevin Warren is in charge of the stadium. It's really similar to option two. It just gives George even less, you know, authority. <laughs> yeah, credit than option two did. And I don't know. It's hard to tell. Like, I mean, obviously it's not, you know, they don't put out a a press release just saying Kevin Warren is fully in charge now. And it's, he is fully accountable for the on field product, but like, that's how I hope it is. But I, I just get this feeling that it's not because I mean, you, you get this vibe out of there that like, everyone's in a bit of a panic mode since week one went so poorly against the Packers. And that screams to me, a McCaskey more than Kevin Warren. Yeah. And no, I, I have to echo you there Q. Cause I'll tell you what juice you were, you were talking about, um, you know, the, the princess of pop herself, maybe even the queen of pop. I think she's, she's graduated to queen at this point um, in attendance for the game. And there's been a lot of things all over the internet explaining to Swifties that have never watched a football game, what football is at the very bare minimum as they start to watch and uh, now enjoy the, the soap opera that is Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Uh, There's one thing they also learned very quickly juice. And I think it's something that's more apparent than the question we're answering here is that the bears are really bad. Like even people that have never watched football go, they they're no good. They're no good. They're no good. And you know what else is no good? Not knowing who the hell's in charge. Truthfully, it, it, it's really sad because, you know, we, we've sat here for our entire lives as Bears fans, and you you sit there and you have hope that like the guy that's actually in charge of the team is running the team, but it never feels that way. Q, you mentioned right with Kevin Warren. Obviously, I think all of us would sit here and hope he's the one in charge. He's got a great track record. He was the president of the Big Ten, which is one of the most successful you know, conferences in all of college football. I'm sure he was in, in early talks to have some of those Pac-12 teams come over. You know, he's been a, a big part of building that Big Ten brand, and it's a very recognizable brand. He helped Minnesota get a, a world-class stadium. That is a gorgeous stadium. I have no problem admitting that. I've been there before. But, like, is that all just a smokescreen? So George can still pull all the pull all the levers like the freaking girl that puppeteers in sync in the bye 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 music video back in 2001. Like that's what it feels like right now. It's really what it feels like right now. And it's getting to the point Q where like it, it, it to me it doesn't matter who's in charge. Because as long as the McCaskey family because Virginia is the only one that actually gives a rat's ass about the team. As long as she's still owning the team and George is still running it. Everybody else is, are just puppets. They're puppets that can be sent to the wayside when they get worn down and the stitching at the side starts to fall out and the cotton's falling out. And then you just bring in a new set of puppets and you do the big song and dance all over again. And the, and the puppets all go bear down Chicago bears. That's all they do. That's all they do at this point. 
I hope it's Kevin Warren. I want it to be Kevin Warren because to me, that's best case scenario if it's Kevin Warren with full autonomy over this franchise. He can sit there at the end of the season and say, you know what? I'm cleaning house. I'm bringing in the people I want to bring in because, of course, the Bears do everything ass backwards and they they bring everything into the opposite direction from quarterback to president rather than the other way around. Maybe, just maybe, there's a chance. But if it's still George pulling the strings, none of this hope that I think people are still trying to hold on to is going to matter because nothing's going to change. So, Q, I hope option one is is the correct yeah. answer, but my fear is it's more option two or three than option one. I'm glad you did say it as fear because, like, we have no rational reason to think otherwise, right? I mean, the guy's been on the job for, what, five months? Something like that. Like any change that he's put in, we wouldn't even be able to see yet unless he was just going to can his GM as two months ahead of the season. Like that's not a realistic thing to happen. So I think fear is the perfect way to describe it. It's not the most rational thought, but it's still a thought because of how much shit we've seen over the years. Like it's still just like sitting in the back of our minds, just like gnawing at us. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, just, to add, word. just to add to your point there, Ron, since George McCaskey taken over, this tweet is from Jonathan Wood, our friend who's been on the show. Yep. Since George has taken over, three GMs, Emery, Pace, Poles, four head coaches, Tressman, Fox, Nagy, Eberflus. And honestly, he said at the end of this, the best of those, if I had to pick one, was Fox. He at least built a strong defense and had a really good defensive coaching staff. Let's just oh, say no, that the Bears – What's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just no, saying, just... I, I was, I almost put out a tweet that was along the same lines today. Since George took over, the Bears are 28th in the NFL in win percentage after only the Jets, the Giants, the Jaguars, and I forget the fourth team. Yeah, definitely not a group you want to be lumped up in, considering the fact that uh, those teams don't win a lot either. Um, but yeah, just to, just to add into that. As, as somebody who I take in football, I go to the games, I've been a season ticket holder for a really long time. It's the little things too that frustrate you, right? It's the little nuances of, of not having the groups and the, the GM and, and the, the um, president and the quarterback on the same lineage and line to be held accountable. It's these little things and these little moves that, help and there just seems to be no continuity and as a fan of both bears and cubs i will say the best gm and my favorite sports fandom over the last 20 years has been the cubs because they tell you what they're doing and what they're trying to do and where this is gonna go and honestly if the bears were ever honest about anything and just failed, I think there's way less hatred on this fan base. But what goes on each and every week, they just keep losing more and more credibility with their fans. I've talked to so many season ticket holders who are like, I am literally only holding these until they get to Arlington Heights. Well, Arlington Heights at this point, after this performance and the way the season's going, may just go, peace out, man. We're good. We're good on that. Because they're an embarrassment. I don't think there's enough money surrounded by that, and that's a half joke. But 
it's also too like you got to get it going because who's going to fill that stadium if you have no fan base? If your fans are so pissed off that they don't want to spend the money on the product. And as a season ticket holder, I hear it. I get people who reach out to me and people are fed up, man. And I absolutely fed up. You can buy somebody one season to tank like this. You can't, it's tough to buy another. It's tough to tell people to wait two straight seasons. It's, it's nearly impossible. It should be. I mean, it should be hard to do that. Like it's, it's not a rational thing to do. Like, it's not like they were purposely trying to do it this year, but at what point do you look at this roster and say, they, they thought this was going to work. They, they thought the, probably the worst defensive line in the NFL was going to give them a serviceable defense because they have a good back end. I mean, how, how long do you have to watch football before you know that the, the trenches matter a whole hell of a lot. That's where the game happened. Like that is where everything starts in the trenches, but like the O line has actually been serviceable. I I've actually, I'm actually somewhat impressed with the O lines play this last week, but this D line ha- has nobody. And you're sitting here running a scheme that is focused on needing that three technique Needs it, needs it, needs it. If you don't have it, at the very least, you need an aggressive pass rush, a, a pass rush that can get home with four guys, which means you need guys on the edges if you don't have the three tech. And you don't have either. You had chances to go sign either spot. I'm not going to harp on the Jalen Carter stuff. There's enough of that out there. I love the Darnell Wright pick. I loved Jalen Carter, but let's be honest, it was different situations. But to come into this season and think this defense was going to be serviceable with this poor of a defensive line, it's it's concerning about who you have evaluating the team. And on top of what you just said, Q, just because the Bears would have potentially picked Jalen Carter, who's to say he comes in and has the same impact he's having right now that he has in Philadelphia? What if he comes in and this, this gong show of a franchise right now gives him no motivation to perform – And he just doesn't play well. You know, like it's the same argument of everybody. Oh, well, what if the Bears took Patrick Mahomes? Why? So they could have ruined him too? Get hit by a bus outside O'Hare. Yeah, like situations, situations of where guys go matters. And I don't think people understand that. It matters. Yes, I know there's a lot of, well, you know, the most, the, the number one pick's always the most dysfunctional team. Sure. But usually it's because you're going through a rough patch, whether it's just a bad year. Look at the Carolina Panthers when Cam Newton was drafted. Yeah, they had a shit quarterback, but they had a good head coach in place in Ron Rivera. And they just needed to get that guy in place at the, at the helmet quarterback and build around him. And that's exactly what they did. And guess what? Sure, they didn't win, but they went to a fucking Super Bowl. And they were competitive almost every single year that Cam Newton was their quarterback. They did that the right way. Teams will do that. But with this Bears team right now, you know, we were joking before the show about they could have, after this week, the top two picks in the draft through four weeks in the season. I have no faith they get either one of those picks right in terms of development, even if it is Marvin Harrison Jr. and, and, and Caleb Williams. There's nothing that we have been shown. Like, when is the last time the Bears actually developed a talent? Or, you know, Erlacher, Briggs? I mean, do we have to go back 15 years to find that? 
This team's dysfunctional. The organization's dysfunctional top to bottom. I mean, so I guess that question really comes down to how much credit you want to give the player. Because, like, Darnell Mooney really developed into a lot more than a fifth-round pick should. Fair. But, like, how much of that's on the player versus the coaching and the, mm-hmm. the staff and the, the process that they put in versus what the player did. Um, if I'm being honest outside, like look, trying to look for a star player who developed from the bears ground up, it's probably Eddie Jackson. Big Fangio was his D coordinator, great DB coach. Like there's a lot of, a lot of reason to see that there that Eddie Jackson came in as a fourth round pick and they developed him into something real. Now he was very talented in college, but that's probably the, the furthest like, or the newest one that I can really think of that they developed into a dude on your team. Right. And that's still seven years. Yeah. I mean, it's been a, even that's a long time to go without a meaningful draft pick developed. And of course, sure. Yes. Pace spent capital on, draft picks like you know uh, a, a sugar addict goes through tic tacs but at the end of the day sure you get Khalil Mack out of a couple of first round picks you get Justin Fields but then they haven't done anything to develop Justin Fields further as a quarterback and now you're back at square one and you've wasted they a ton of draft cap across yeah which is nuts well this Bears team yeah. will find any way to do that but just to add to this conversation too Remember, the rules in college have changed, too, and NIL money is a thing. And I think what really hurts the Bears right now is the fact that, yeah, they're they're going to have two top first-round picks, but who's to say that these guys don't pull John Elway and say, I'm not going to play for you because of this dysfunction? You can't have this perception being something in your organization for years and years and years, and that's where we're at. Like, I, I think the Bears need to start getting to a point of, like, we need step one before we get to step 50 here because that's what this seems. It seems like, you know that gif of, like, the guy carrying the, the buckets out to wash the car? Like, that's the Bears. And all the shit's going over and, like, he's tripping over this, the hose. And, like, that's the Bears, man. That is that is the Bears in a nutshell. And it just keeps getting worse. Um, it's and that's Chicago why I Bears. If the Bears ran a car wash, they would hire another car wash company to run it, <laughs> and then and then pay and their, make their no people. money. Yeah, and then pay their people, and then they ask Olin Krutz to run it and pay him seventeen fifty for consultant yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that kind of brings me to my next question: Is there anybody even watch on this team? over the course of the next couple weeks carrying through, like, are we at the point now where it's, we're watching for little wins. We're watching for little growth spurts. Q, I know this has been the question that it's eating you right now. Yeah. That's exactly what, like I'm, the way I put it pre-show was I need to find reasons to watch the bears right now. Like that's, that's the point it's gotten to. So I'm I'm looking for reasons to watch. Once Kyler Gordon gets back, I'm looking to see how he develops. Um, Jaquan Brisker is a clear one. But more than that, I'm looking in the trenches because that's where you really feel like there needs to be development and growth, and there's opportunity for those guys to grow. Like So for me, 
looking for guys who I I have faith will be here in two years, three years. Guys who will be on this roster will have a chance to grow into a starting player, a high caliber football player within this roster if they take their opportunities and capitalize on them. That's Javon Dexter, Zach Pickens, like I said, Brisker and Kyler Gordon and Tyreek Stevenson. But on the offense, it starts to really dry up. You know, I mean, and I, I can add Noah Sewell in on the defense. He got he got some run last week late in the game. Um, who knows? Maybe that starts to grow throughout the year. But, like, on defense, DeMarcus Walker, he, he's not going to be here in two, three years. Um, Andrew Billings is probably the best player on the team right now as far as what he's done this year. And he's he's not going to be. He's 29 years old right now. In uh, Gakwe, he's he's a he's a one year mercenary most of the time, and for that case, Billings is a one year mercenary contract wise as well. Um, but on offense, that it really dries up, man. I mean, DJ Moore probably be here. That's not really watching someone grow though. That's just watching someone hopefully use correctly because we already kind of know what he is. Um, we're not going to see Braxton Jones the rest of the year. Larry Borum. It's very unlikely to be here in two years. I, I wouldn't think unless he, unless no one wants to sign him and he's coming back as a swing tackle. Um, white hair is already kind of overdue on this roster. Lucas Patrick. No, Nate Davis. I mean, in two years, you might be talking about you're, you're trying to get some cap savings. So you can go spend that money elsewhere. And I really like what Nate Davis did in week one. But like some of his tape was really impressive, but I don't know if it, if that someone else is going to come in here. They might want to run a whole different offensive scheme. You know, like it's hard to say that he's going to be a, a staple. And part of the reason the defensive guys I mentioned, most of them are pretty scheme versatile. I think at least to a degree. Um, and I, I think a coach is going to find ways to use a second a second round pick pick talent like a Tyreek Stevenson if he doesn't white fit his scheme, find a role for him. Like Darnell Wright is really the only guy in offense who I'm sitting here saying that's who, that's who I got to pay attention to. Cause that's, that that's what this team will be the next time they're competitive. I, I think maybe the only other guy just because of the way he plays too, is like Roshan Johnson, you know, yeah. and I get it running backs at, you know, shorter shelf life, things like that. But he's at least, you, you know why I think I like Roshan so much guys I think it's just because he looks like he gives a rat's ass when he runs. You know what I mean? Like he's going, he's running people over, he's laying the wood. You know, that, to me, that's a guy that could be exciting to watch down the down the stretch. My only fear with a guy like him, cute, kind of to your point, because the rest of the offense is such a like kind of shit show right now. How much time is he actually going to get to give you something to watch, right? And I think that becomes the question. Darnell Wright's going to be every, in, in in every play, no matter what. So that's the easy, like on yeah. offense for sure. Give me give me all the Darnell Wright tape you physically can. But I agree with you, Q. I think a lot of the guys to watch on this team are on the defensive side of the ball, and that's cool. That's good. You need a good defense to still win in the NFL. But when your offense can't do a damn thing. Like outside of your guys in the trenches, you're probably not going to get to see a lot of, and even of DJ Moore. And that's a shame. Like talk about a guy who had shit quarterbacks in Carolina besides for his rookie year with Cam. And then has to deal with this. Like, this isn't even like a, 
the quarterback can't get him. They just can't get anybody the fucking football. It's not even just DJ Moore. He didn't it's, even it's, choose to come here. No, he got traded. <laughs> he couldn't even make the damn choice. If I'm DJ Moore, because I, I he I don't know if I thought he has an option in his contract. If I'm DJ Moore, I'm saying fuck you, Bears, and I'm opting out. If there is an opt, and I gotta, I'm gonna look really quick, you know. But I mean, guys, it's you, you nailed it on the head. It, it right now we are literally getting to the point where we have to take the magnifying glass, like the you know the old lady in the old movies, and say who's actually worth the shit on this team right now. That's gonna give us at least something worth watching. Does I hate to say it, guys? Does Tyson Bagent become a name we actually start giving a shit about this year? You know what I, I mean? I can't do it. I just can't. He does. <laughs> Here you go. He's got a potential out. Hold on one second. He's got a potential out. Potential out 2024. DJ Moore can opt out of the contract. He can opt out or the team can get out of it? Maybe the team can get out. It's an out. It just says out. It doesn't specify. That, that's probably – is that spot rack? Yeah. Yeah, so that's probably the Bears could, could cut him for like – Saveable money. If I'm DJ Moore, I'm begging the Bears to cut me. Yeah. It's that bad. Well, it also means so it also means this was a quasi contract year for DJ Moore because of that. Because he is now fairly underpaid and the Bears just gave up draft capital. Go get him. It's a great negotiation point for him to say, Well, I, I really need a raise. This yeah. th- this contract ain't right. So if he if he wants to play that card, it can get really interesting with him being like, "Well, and he's I'm playing on a shit team. I need some really good money." And he's not a lot of dead money, so the Bears could yeah. cut him and get a lot of cap savings. Well, as well trade him. Right? You could trade him too. Sure, you could trade him. Right, 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 right. So, yeah, I mean, but like, isn't it fucking terrible that we're sitting here talking about that? That DJ Moore could want out because it's that bad. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think he will, but, like, never know if it gets that. uh, Like, I don't even want to think about what would have to occur. for. I mean, I guess you're saying Eberflus is coming back. Like, at that point, would he be like, I'm out of here? (laughs) Maybe. Luke gets his OC again. Get me the hell out of town. Get me to Dodge. I don't care where you put me. Send me, send me to Arizona at this point. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, I don't know. They yeah, might, they, they might. Be they got more fight than the Bears. They at least made it <laughs> interesting against the Giants. They beat the Cowboys, man. More than the Bears, they, did. they beat anybody. Any given Sunday, and they, the Chicago Bears. And they may never will, as Musa Muhammad once said. Chicago, where wide receivers go to die. In the case of DJ Moore, it's trending that way. Um, moving on just a little bit, just to talk about, I had a question for both of you. It was a question that I tweeted out, something that I'm curious of if there is an answer. Q, I know that you'll have at least some answer. I know Ron will too. Is there anything that this team does well when you watch the tape, like at all? And I, I don't want to hear lose because I had enough comments of those in my mentions. Yeah, we know they lose well. That's, I'm looking for literally anything out there that they do well. I mean, not on. Like, <laughs> not in particular. They cover, they cover 
they cover fairly well. Like their, their corners, their safeties, that they, they do cover fairly well, but they're asked to play spot drop zones that are just not really every quarterback in the NFL grew up playing against like this. Like they they beat it pretty easily. It's pretty it's pretty easy a spot, pretty easy to beat when there's not a pass rush. So like uh, on the broadcast tape, you can't see the corners. You can't see the safeties. You, can't, you don't really know what's, what they're doing until they give up a, a pass, right? And in the spot drop, they're, they're just dropping to a spot and waiting and trying to read it. But, like, if the quarterbacks are under pressure, they'll just – they'll tear you up. So I can't put the any poor coverage on those guys that much. But, like, I know it hasn't looked great. But I will say they cover well. And – I've honestly been impressed with the pass blogging this year more than what I was going to say Q. more than anything. You can go ahead and take it then Ron. No, I was just, I was going to echo that. Cause I, I feel like, especially in this last game guys, like, I mean, how often did we see where fields is sitting back there looking for somebody? And then you, you see the all 22, nobody's open. Right. So he's just, he's dancing around trying to find something. And then eventually he just either has to get rid of the ball or, you know, take that two yard gain trying to run to the sideline. But, like, the offensive line has actually been pretty good giving him some time this year. I would say the Packers game probably was their worst performance of the season, but they've improved each week. I think the offensive line and pass blocking has done something better each week, which is crazy to think. But when nobody's getting open downfield, it doesn't matter. Just like when your corners and safeties are doing well in coverage, but the pass rush can't get home and the quarterback has five-plus seconds to throw the football, it doesn't matter. It's like the things they're doing well right now, the rest of the the team that needs to do well around them in order for that to be considered successful are just not reaching you know, the, the potential that they need to. And so you have two units who are doing something good, but it's going unnoticed because the rest of the operation can't get things right. So on the getting open front, I actually – I feel like the t- they've been decent at getting open too. Like there's been – it's it's honestly demoralizing going back and watching it. Like there are guys last week, not so much because last week they ran a lot of two, three man route concepts with max protect staying in to protect. So it's like if you're playing two on four, it's kind of hard to get open. Um, but outside of that, like the, the previous two weeks, there were guys getting open. And it was like, it's bang bang plays, right? It's like guys open. You gotta throw it. But I see this flash of red over here. Just let me check that first. Oh shit, I gotta run. Like the ball's gotta be out by now. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's I say it's demoralizing because it's he did this his rookie year. He did it. And now he doesn't. I don't know if it's been the hundred sacks he's taken since then i don't know if it's all the hits if it's all the like ghosts in the pocket if it is just hesitation because of the offensive scheme it could be any of a million things but it's open there's guys there the first two games of the year and they're just not getting a hit god i just feel like every week we do this show and it gets more and more somber like there's, there's got to be a low, right? Like there's got to be a bottom of this jar, but 
it just seems like we're like in the middle of, of everything right now. It's just brutal. Uh, Ron, I want to start with you. We'll talk a little bit of offensive scheme, things you saw. Um, are they doing things but you, you said that they're doing decent at pass blocking. Is there any route combinations or anything you watched last week in, in quarterback play that you could go, okay, maybe they need to do a little bit more of this? I think I think their biggest issue right now, Juice, I think last week it was hard to say because, like you noted, there was a lot of max protect, right? So it, it you know what? And I, I think part of the reason that shit has hit the fan, especially these first couple weeks, don't get me wrong, there's a lot going wrong. But one notable reason, when you can't run the football in the Matt LaFleur-style offense, Play action pass is not there. That takes away half of your playbook because that's what they do best, right? I mean, how many how many historic Bears games over the last five, six years do we recall the Packers torching the Bears on play action? Often. Like, that is that is bread and butter of the LaFleur-style offense, the McVay offense, that whole tree, the Shanahan offense. you got to be able to run the football because it sets up so much in the pass game. When you can't run the football early and then you get down 30 points, the team knows what you're going to do. You're going to throw the ball. And especially if you, you're just trying to protect fields at all costs and you're max protect, a two-man route concept, like Q said, nobody's going to get open on that because you're not. there's no deception. Football is a game of deception, believe it or not. Yes, it's execution as well and it's, it's strategy, but it's also deception. You know That's why there's play fakes. That's why there's, you know what I mean? That's why there's boot outs. That's why there's RPOs. That's why the whole, the whole idea of the RPO offense was created is because of deception. You're trying to deceive the other team into, into thinking you're doing one thing and then doing another. And they, the problem is they can't do that. So the whole offense crumbles. And then it doesn't help on top of it where, you know, again, once, once in a blue moon you see two guys in the same area, that's, that's just a mistake. Somebody ran the wrong route. But when it's happened a couple enough times now, you start to question like, does does Getsy think having two two guys run a a curl route at the sticks within five yards of each other is smart? That's dumb. That's like that's like rule number one of football. Why are you going to put two guys in the exact same area like that unless one is designed to get the other open? Right. Like the only time you'll ever traditionally see a lot of receivers cross on routes is because they're trying to set a natural pick to get another guy open or try and force a mistake in the coverage. If, if a team's passing guys off to potentially get somebody open that way, it, they are, it's just, everything is in such disarray juice that it's almost to the point now where I, I think I know conceptually, I think, you know, conceptually, I think Q knows conceptually what they want to do. Look at the Green Bay Packers. That's what the Bears want to do, but they're not doing it. And again, for a team that did so much in the run game a year ago and was so good at it, you would hope that would help them set up for success this year because then the play action pass is there. I feel like they've done almost no play action pass. And when they do, again, it doesn't matter because it's a max protect situation. They're just trying to win. But the other team knows you have 30 yards of rushing. Why are we going to honor your play fake? So it's it's just it's it's all in disarray, juice. All in disarray. Q. 
I've watched this offense and I see bunch of bunch of guys getting punched in the mouth, not punching in the mouth. They are not mm. dictating to the defense at all. They are letting the defense dictate what they do. Steve Spagnola loves to run man coverage and blitzes. All right, we're going to keep everyone in on max protect and run two man routes and they'll never see it coming. Like that's not, you just need to go out and play in some ways. You can't, mm-hmm. oh, like, I feel like there's a, such an over analysis of how they are going to beat the scouting report and not enough of an analysis of what are our guys good at and we should just let them be good at it. Like, I, I, I just think there's overthinking here. And I mean, this past week, I just want to say, what did we expect? It was a circus at Hallis Hall all week. No one was getting jack done. And then it came out like, yeah, they were up all night figuring out what plays for the game plan. It's like, well, they were up all damn night. Of course, <laughs> there's going to be mistakes. Like, that doesn't help anything. Because there's no, there was no time. It was such a clown show. Like, Getsy's gets he's half asleep on the table and he goes, <laughs> I got it. I got it. Max protect, two-man routes. All day long, and they're like, Luke, you Steve Spagnuolo's never seen something yeah. like this. Yeah, Luke, like, you need to go to bed. Go to sleep. I, I felt like week one, they were just catering to what the defense, how the defense was going to attack them. And it would, it's like, there's a point like, yeah, you want it. You want to attack the defense in ways that you think are going to expose their weak points. But at the same time, they have an idea what that is. You know, like, so you can't be too, too, constant and obvious with it and you it's kind of like a uh like you need more finesse to it right you need and that's one of the things matt lafleur does really well is finesse you into these spots of where he knows he can attack you and good d coordinators they know where they're weak and they're gonna do everything they can to make sure it's not exposed and I, i feel like that's what we see the bears constantly fighting against this year um Help. We saw it in Tampa Bay. The first half, the offense was moving the ball okay. Like they, they looked like they were on to something. Halftime comes. Todd Bulls just stops blitzing. It's like, why am I blitzing? They can't beat me if I don't blitz. Stops blitzing. And it all, all kind of comes crashing down, right? Like it, it, the offense just kind of stops working. And it's like, so when Tampa's defense stopped doing what they, what we were expecting them to do. I mean, I'm sure they had some answers, but like they didn't work. And I don't know. It's just the offense just, it feels like Nagy again of like, we don't have an identity because there is no identity. We all thought coming into this year, your identity needed to be, you know, the rushing the football. But at some point we're really just asking for the identity to be, Hey, Justin, do something. And that that's, that's really what it was. And here we are because they, you put a Q, you put a second year QB through a tank year. I think there's a lot of un, unintended consequences. Yeah. hundred percent. We're seeing them. I'll say this too, Q. I was, as you guys both were talking about the, the difference in the game plans that we've seen, it does seem like spin the wheel of game plans because we've seen different things out of the offense each week. And, the, the end result on all three of them is none of it works. None of it. All three of them have been, you know, a, a disaster in some way or another. Um, 
But I'm sure next week we'll get more quarterback design runs and screens, and that won't work either. And we'll be back here talking about this again. Uh, but that's just the offensive side. Q, I want to start with you. Talk a little bit about the defensive scheme, things you're seeing out there, things that we can improve. Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like I've already talked about it a little. Like, with, the, with what the Bears want to do, they, they need four linemen who can get to the passer, and they just don't have that. So, like, Eberflus isn't going to start start just out of nowhere blitzing. Right, he's not gonna he's not gonna completely flip his scheme uh, uh, over end over end and change what he does. So how do you ge- start generating pressure within that? And I've been, I feel like I've been writing this for the last three weeks of mug up the mug up the a gaps up front, you know, threaten the blitz more. And we've seen a little bit more of this, but it's still not like we've seen guys blitzing from six yards past the line of scrimmage at snap. Like, what the hell are we doing? Uh, like, what the hell is – what is that accomplishing? Your guys go six yards before they're even getting the line of scrimmage. They're not getting home fast. Like, you need to – so you need to start disguising stuff. You need to move guys up on the line of scrimmage. Threaten guys. They're up on line. Then they drop. And then, like, for the pressure, there's not a lot of good answers outside of just scheming the shit out of it. And that's what they that, that's what they need to do. I mean, you need to at, at some point you need to look into your soul and talk to your inner Wink Martindale and say fuck it sometimes. Like that's that that's kind of where it is with the blitz because you don't have the horses to get home with though four. Um which like I said, I don't expect them to do, but you need to get more creative with the way you're doing it. And then on the back end, like the static drop spot coverages are just they're insane to me I, I think they have started to make a bit of a comeback especially against scrambling quarterbacks because from what I can gather it's a lot harder to if you're not doing man match your back's not turned you're, you're you're reading the quarterback you know you can so it's a lot easier to react to quarterback scrambling which might be impacting fields a little bit here believe it or not, but um, Bears haven't faced scrambling. Like, I mean, Pat Mahomes scrambles a little bit. Dude runs a 4-8. Like, you're not that worried about it. Like, you need to contain him, but it's not like he's going to burn you for 50 yards. Um, Baker Mayfield ain't burning anybody. You know, Jordan Love, again, he was not a huge threat with his legs. So, it's the spot drop isn't about that for them. It's about what they believe, what their core concepts are, of what they need their defense to be. And really, so for anyone who's not familiar, man match, that's like, or uh, zone match, man match, I always get them mixed up. But so it's the first guy that comes through your zone to a degree that that's your man now, right? That is, you are just following him. You might have some pass off rules in between in the middle of the field, especially like linebackers and stuff like that. But it is ways to, enhance zone coverage essentially ways to make it more tougher to read more disguise and just makes life harder on the quarterback especially once you get the um the passing principles where with like linebackers pass safeties nickel corner to safety and the nickel corner comes back down to the flat and hammers the running back like there can be a bunch of different ways that you do it but those principles have become pretty much standard in the nfl now and it, like playing Madden, you won't really learn that. But like 
because in Madden, every in that's actually the perfect way to put it. In Madden, every zone coverage is spot drop. You see the AI drop five yards to his middle zone and just stand there. That I mean, it's an exaggeration of it because guys are gonna they, they know from film they're gonna react to stuff, but like that is the heart of it. You are in your zone and you are reacting to what you're seeing within your zone. And that's just not what the modern NFL, how you stop modern NFL offenses, because when these guys were growing up, that was the big thing, right? That that was what everyone was running. So that's what the, these guys have spent 20 years beating that. They know it. It's ingrained in them. The innovation aspect of the defense is, is really lacking and it's something that's disappointing and really kind of, I don't understand what was so different in Indy. Like Buckner was there. So that, that helps your pass rush a lot. Their defensive ends were probably better too. And Grover Stewart was better. So the D line was better, but like, I have a hard time understanding how the talent gap was. I don't think it like even lose first year there, Buckner wasn't there yet. The D line was pretty barren and they were still top 15 defense. And I'm just having such a hard time understanding how, if they, if this is what they were running. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to add to that cue, cause I, I think you're spot on. You, you, right. You mentioned obviously the pass rush and things of that nature too, but it almost feels like during Eberflus's time in Indy, they, they probably actually tinkered things, right? Like I'm sure Frank Reich sat in there and, hey, have you thought about this or this guy does this? Especially being a former quarterback, right? Like Frank Reich. Yeah. That's why Frank Reich's been, I think, a fantastic head coach is because he thinks the game through the lens of the most important player on the field. It just it feels like this coaching staff right now in Chicago, and I don't know if it's like a top down thing or what it is, but they refuse to adapt it's like it's their way or no way and i think that's what's most frustrating about the defensive scheme right now because to your point q right like historically even in the years that we started to see the the you know the the modern nfl come around probably circa 2010 the bears were still running a tampa two style offense or defense but they had they like you said they had the horses there and they had the talent where you know, they could pass guys off into, into the next zone and know their guy's going to be there. And they had a competent pass rush getting home. When you don't have a competent pass rush getting home, I mean, even if you do got that first five seconds covered, that's great. But then, you know, quarterback goes into scramble drill or the receivers go into scramble drill, and then all hell breaks loose. And then this is what we end up seeing. So I, I think the most frustrating thing from a defensive scheme, and this goes for the offensive scheme too, is it's just it's it's a it's a an a lack of willingness to adjust your philosophy to just work quite frankly, right? Like not saying they're going to have all the answers every play, but more often than not, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, you're going to at least have an opportunity to do something both defensively and offensively right now. It just feels like they are so stale in staying in their concepts that it's hurting the team. So that's actually a really good point because I also do wonder they're they're playing a man down right now on the coaching staff. Are they maybe they just don't have the horses to get all the work done either? You know, like and not to make excuses for them, but like 
it's awful hard to adapt and adjust when you're just trying to get your head on straight, mm -hmm. you know, and especially on offense, I feel like some of the, uh, the stuff with the routes and the, I, I feel like this is an offense offensive unit that doesn't understand what they're being asked to do some of the time, mm -hmm. which makes me wonder how well they even know that like maybe they try to throw too much at them at the same time, or maybe that some of the concepts don't make sense to the players. And it's a lot, it's, it's if I'm sure a lot of people have experienced this at work. If you're asked to do something you don't understand, it makes it 10 times harder to do. So 100%. if you don't understand the big picture of it, you're just kind of stuck there, like slamming your head against the wall, trying to fit a, a square peg in a round hole, right? Like mm -hmm. you just don't quite get it. So between that and being down a coach, like I do wonder if there is a, a lack of manpower there to really get the job done. Right. When you're trying to scout the opponent, implement the things that you think will work and implement some new things or some adjustments, you might just, you might only have time to do two of the three. Yeah. It's like I said, bad all around scheme is bad before we move on to the preview for the Brown this week. I want to give each of you a chance to share some final thoughts on this 41 to 10 loss uh, on Sunday. Ron, let's start with you first. I'm just happy it's over, honestly. I mean, this was this was probably, in my recent memory, a top – the Bears have had two of the top five most – unbearable games to watch that I can recall in probably the last six to seven years, personally, for me, at least like it's that bad. And you got Denver on the horizon this Sunday. It's just to the point now where you just, you hope they do something, anything that even just makes this more bearable to watch. Like it's getting to the point where this is just not fun. You know what I mean? The, the the most entertaining part of Sunday's game for a Chicago Bears fan was making a drinking game out of how many times they showed Taylor Swift on television. Oh, there's Taylor Swift drink. Which probably we should have played with shots. At least all of us would have forgotten about the 41 to 10. I mean, that's just that's how bad it was. So I'm happy it's over. It, it's it's one I I really am happy that we probably will not have to revisit at any point because this was just ugly. Absolutely ugly. I turned this game off halfway through. First time I've done that since probably 2017. Woof. Maybe 2016. One of those two. I think I, probably 2016, actually. It's in 2017, I still had some hope. 2016 kind of crushed me on it. But because um, in 2016, there was no there's no quarterback light at the end of the tunnel, right? 2017 that came back so that either that, or I turned it off during the Mike Lennon green Bay game. I think that's probably now that I'm talking it through the Mike Lennon green Bay game <laughs> was the last time I turned the game off halfway through. Um, but anyways, we're not here to rehash that. We are here to talk about the now. And I just feel like Justin Fields is owed an apology. Like, I, I don't know from who I, I, I'm going to say it now, but it doesn't like what, what do I matter? You know, like, but like they failed him so, so terribly 
terribly failed that kid. I mean, that that's about as like sure he was the th- what the fourth quarterback in his draft and number eleven overall. That was a strong quarterback draft. There are a lot of drafts where he would have been the first quarterback off the board. The talent was there. We saw it his rookie year. We saw it last year. But it's just like it's been dwindling and dwindling. Like last year was much more the running. The talent is a passer. Like you go back to his rookie year against the 49ers, against the Steelers, against the Vikings, and against Green Bay. It was like those you you rewatch those games and you just you are full of optimism for this kid. He is ripping throws down the alley to a tight end right over a defender. Like it, it, he doesn't throw over the middle of the field anymore. His rookie year tape was full of them hitting between the hashes, 20 yards downfield, just right up the seam, a vertical route midfield intermediate to deep. That is a tough throw, man. I still think of that Jimmy Graham catch against Pittsburgh. Yeah. He was nailing throws like that. He doesn't Mm -hmm. even attempt them anymore. I don't know what on earth they did to this kid. I said, maybe it's the hundreds of hits he's taken. Maybe it's the coaching coming in. The I, I always talk about. I talked about this when we all wanted Nagy fired, and I was I, I was on that boat too. But the entire time in the back of my head, and I was putting it out there on Twitter and stuff too. Quarterback rookie quarterbacks who have their coach fired tend to be significantly impacted by it for the worse. And it was like, you are betting against the odds that Justin Fields makes it out of that. And I think it's pretty clear that it it negatively impacted him. That new coaching staff comes in, maybe wants to switch up his footwork. I'm still not sure how much I buy the left foot, right foot, front stuff. I, I'm not I'm not a quarterback coach. I don't know. I don't I just have a hard time with that. Try to shorten his uh his throwing motion so he can get quicker on RPOs or quicker release off of quick play actions or quick screens, focus his entire preseason on short game on behind the line of scrimmage passing. Like there's, there's stuff here that impacts the player that he is today. And I just, I hope he can get somewhere and succeed someplace else. Cause it's most likely over here. And I just respect the kid way too much and his, uh, his skill. He's such a good football player, like out of front pure skill standpoint. Yeah, I'll say that. I'll say also he's really, really fucking tough. I mean, he took some shots on Sunday, went yeah. out of the game, cleared concussion protocol, supposedly. We don't know either way. And then came back into the game and uh, wanted to be there for his teammates, even down as big as they were. My final thoughts for this Sunday's game are, there's an alternate universe where Taylor Swift is not there and it, the the Bears look even worse in the national media <laughs> because, honestly, the flip on that is every time they went to Taylor Swift, it was one or two minutes less than they had to talk about the Bears. And every time they have one of these losses, I go back to that Sunday night, Mark Tressman game against the Packers, and – it was four quarters of the national media shitting on the Bears. And this, I watched the, I watched a lot of this game. I'll say that. And I listened to it on the radio because by the fourth quarter, I was like, I'm going home. Done. And I'll say this. 
Taylor Swift being in attendance, there were some times where the broadcasters were going that way opposed to shitting on the Bears. And the Bears organization should be grateful for that because I'll say, man, there's an alternate universe where it was even worse than it was on Sunday in terms of the national shitstorm and the shitting that the broadcasting team had on uh, on Chicago this last Sunday. But we're now jumping ahead. We're going to go to the Broncos preview. Ron, I want to hear your thoughts first on this game and then also talk a little bit about, you know, what what do they got to do to, like, make this enjoyable? Like, in, I'll start with mine. Do, like, a fake punt or a fake field goal or some bullshit. Let's inject some fun into this shit because it just seems like every single game that we put on here, it's just, well, it's going to be three plays of Justin getting his brains beat in. And then we're going to go on defense, and they're just going to march down the field for a touchdown. Let's have some fun. I mean, let's just do some crazy shit. What do you think? I would fully support it. I'm I'm here for, you know, the old DJ Moore swing pass, turn around, throw it back to Justin Fields on the other side of the field with a caravan of blockers type shit at this point. I mean, something, something. But Juice – the Denver Broncos just lost by 50 points to the Miami Dolphins who put up the second most points and yards in an NFL football game in league history. And are the first team to ever do those same two stats in the same game. And yet Denver walks into soldier field as betting favorites on Sunday. That's how bad it is right now. Honestly, you know what? Like, if I'm the players, it's a week of, you know what? We're home again. We've been on the road for two weeks. Just show up and, and just play hard. Honestly, look like you you want to be here. Because it, it looks like they've been very demoralized the last couple weeks. It looks like they don't care. And that starts at the top. But sometimes that top has to be severed at least for, you know, four quarters and say, hey, look. We are the ones out on the field bashing our heads in and controlling the tempo of play. Just go out and, and play a good game. Like, just try to put something together. You know, I, I hope in Justin Fields' case, if Luke Getzey calls something and he doesn't like it, check off. Check to something else. If you see it, check. Like, it, it really does feel like they've coached some of that instinct out of him, and that's a real shame because, as Q said, he's too good of a football player to, you know, just because he, he ended up with a dysfunctional organization. Just I hope they go out and they give it a chance. I'll be I'll be there on Sunday. So you guys will see from the Bears on tap account, from my account. There'll be a lot a of huh? Choose a bet. No, no, I I I had a blind optimism entering the season juice. That's what it was. I'll be there. I'll be there. And the the three and a half hours before the walk into Soldier Field from the South Lot will be me doing rain dances, um, ceremonial Italian beef sacrifices, uh, shots of Malort, whatever it takes for the Chicago Bears team to do something. Because God almighty, if I have to watch a game like this week on Sunday, I, I you might just watch the Bears on tap account go dark, and it's just because I've physically lost the ability to type because that would might be the only way to survive Sunday's game. Just play, Just play football. We're going to keep it simple. At the end of the day, just go play football. 
something good might happen. Maybe, just maybe, Russ is going to cook his way out of this game. I hope that's the case. Just a win would be so nice. It would at least make me feel a little bit better about the state of this franchise because right now it's not great, Bob. Cute. Just fuck it, man. Just <laughs> go all out. Like, whatever yeah. you have at your disposal, just say, fuck it, we'll do it. We don't care what the defense is doing. We're just going to – we're doing this. Like, this is what we're doing, and we're doing it no matter what you're – like, not no matter what, but like – Some schoolyard bullshit, Q. Yeah, just come out there and do what you want to do. Just don't, don't dictate so much to what the other team is showing you or doing you. Or like giving you pre-snap, like just trust your athletes, trust the speed, the playmakers that you have out on the field. Hell, I say open the game and empty and spend the whole first drive and empty. Then maybe motion Roshan back in the backfield if you need to, if you need to check into something, but just fuck it, go empty. Spread it all out. You got all these playmakers, all this talent. Just get wild with it because you got no place to go but up. So like, Play around with stuff. Try stuff out. Maybe do a whole drive of nothing but read options. Luke gets he's a read option guy at heart. He's a, a Joe Moorhead disciple. He knows read options through the ass. Like, just get wild. Do whatever the hell you want. Because what you what you think you need to do ain't working. And get buck wild. I'll say that. I'm down. I'm down for all of that clown. I'm down for the brown. Hopefully they can actually be kind of fun. That's that's my hope. Just just if you're gonna lose, lose fun. That's that's my hope. Um, I think this is as we're at the hour mark here. We will conclude uh, this as we're going dark in my room too. You probably noticed it over the course of the show. Um, I forgot to put a light on. Bears on tap. Don't going dark right here. Bears on Tap is powered by OnTap Sportsnet. We are one of two Bears podcasts. Bears Nation podcast with the boys over there do such a great job. Make sure you're heading over to those guys. They record on Mondays. Bulls, Hawks. Ron, you're over there. I'm a Hawks stuff. Four feathers coming out. We got Cubs postseason push. That's, that's going to be a show tonight. You'll see these two mugs on there. Again tonight, Sox, big series for the Cubs going on. We got a couple guys here on the Sox on tap crew at the game tonight. If you see them out there, say what's up. Um, and if you have friends that love the White Sox, send them over to those, those podcasts. Also, the Dinger Boys on Mondays, the other Cubs podcasts do such a great job. All of this is powered by ONTAP Sportsnet at www.ontapsportsnet.com. Make sure you're going over there. We got an awesome merch stand. Before you know it, it's going to be Christmas, and there's nothing better than an on tap T-shirt. I'll tell you that. I got a couple of them. They're comfy. You can wrap them at the barbecue, at the family party. You go to Christmas. People say, "What's that?" Oh, that's on tap. That's where I get all my podcast needs, and that's why I'm so smart at sports. But Bears will have another chance on Sunday. We just recapped the Chiefs game. And, man, let's just get out of this the only way we know how to, boys, and that's with one solid. Bear down. Bear down. Bear down.
Domo origato, Mr. Roboto. I was, was going to say, do friend.